Welcome to another episode of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's proud to light our pumpkin spice scented Hanukkah candles we got from Yankee Candle Workshop. In this episode, we talk about the Disney Investor Day announcements, Cyberpunk 2077, and Kloss. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So load up on latkes and spin those dreidels, because it's time to mitzvah. Jewy, get us out of here. I approve. Oh, I approve. Oh boy. Okay. I, let this. No, Patrick. Let this roll. Let this roll. This keep this whole thing in. We like to kick off every episode by going around the table, which is where we talk about something new, fun, to be and clear, noteworthy. About Lauren our said she approved. I know. That's why I'm. That's why I'm moving <laughs> you forward. You made a Star Wars joke, so it works. <laughs> that's why we're trudging ahead. A uh, that's Jewish the, Star Wars yes. joke. I was because yeah, you I said. You made a pumpkin spice comment, and I was thinking Christmas. I wanted to go the direction of Ugnog. That that would be good for uh, Ugg manufacturer to produce, manufa- boot maker. I don't yes. Know. Yeah. No, no. I got it. Let me explain this fully. So, <laughs> But you said fully, right? Because it would take a fool to not understand what you're saying. Yeah, this is getting cut out. So I was going to go the Ugnog direction, but then you took it the more traditional route. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, Patrick, tell us about your week. All right, so um, I'm not going to tell you about this week. I mean, we should just change this language because we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. This is not necessarily necessarily week specific. So, but it typically <laughs> is though. It's stuff that we've learned about or stuff that that we experienced over the week. Is what that's kind of the idea, right? What like, did you learn about yourself this week? Uh, that's <laughs> a di- do you really do you really want to go there? Show. I'm just <laughs> saying. Really want to go there? I'm saying that's a different podcast than the podcast we're doing. So um, <laughs> I'm going to actually talk about an experience from more than a week ago, and that is uh, interviewing Chris White. So this week on Monday, we dropped an episode of the Art Department uh, featuring our very own Andrew Sale. And your very own Patrick Hill. That's what I was waiting on. And uh, your very own self. <laughs> he's just released a film, Electric Jesus. And I say just released. He actually hasn't released it yet. It won't come out until March, maybe February, or just sometime in the future. But we got a chance to watch a private screener of it uh, because we happen to be, I guess, close to some of the people that backed the movie, funded the film. Yeah. And uh, so we, we got to see a, pri- or a very investors, early screener. Investors is what they're called. Oh, investors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and after that, we got the opportunity to talk to Chris. And so we sat down with him for a little bit over an hour and walked through a bit of his history. And then, of course, getting the movie made. And it was a, it was a really enjoyable experience. I, I genuinely loved doing the interview. And we may get a chance to sit down with him again uh, in February and to do a, do a follow-up interview about the film. All very, very exciting stuff. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. I think you'll really, really like that episode. And even if you aren't interested in a film called Electric Jesus, that's only a small part of the episode. There's a lot of other stuff in there that you will find interesting. You should listen to it. So, interview was enjoyable. Uh, Glad we got a chance to do it. Hope we get to sit down again. Um, That said, the movie. We didn't really talk about our reaction to the film, okay? Uh, Because we're sitting down with the director, we're talking about the process of making it, didn't necessarily seem like a time to jump into our review of it. That wasn't the point of that art department. But I he do didn't want to hear us review the film with him. Right. So I do want to take yeah. a few minutes to actually give my review of the film, having seen it. And I want to make this note up front. If you're a 
patron, if you support the show on Patreon, which you can go do right now, there is a private screener link to this film. You can go watch it. This link is only up until December 22nd. So if you're going to watch it, you have to watch it in what the next like six days or five days or whatever that mm-hmm. comes out to. Yeah. So if you're interested at all in this film, if you listen to the interview, want to know what we're talking about, or if you just want to be one of those special people that sees a film three months, months in, in advance, advance. Yep. awesome. Join on Patreon. Go uh, watch the screener. Do it now. I did want to point out, um, or I did want to give my review, is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, and Andrew, I'd appreciate it if you would, too. Uh, I'll start. You can kind of end and then just roll into your own category. That's fine. Um, initially, when I saw this film, I was frustrated with the movie. Okay. Uh, coming from the background, I do. Um, I am very uh, aware of how the general public perceives the church, but also I'm very aware of how the church's the own, its own image it's created to the public, which is typically very bad, right? Like, it's, it's, um, it, it's so... Uh, inside baseball it's so uh, internally mm-hmm. focused for an organization or or a movement i should say uh whose goal is to to you know uh uh convert people to win people over to bring people into a community it is amazing how internally focused all of its communication and marketing and language and these are the best terms i can come up with right now are I no mean, i think i understand the, what you're saying the the church is just terrible uh, as a whole, or at least the the church that we're accustomed to within our geographical region or or our mm-hmm. culture, is frankly just really bad at doing the things the church should be doing. Okay, that that's it. So when I think of the church in terms of of movie culture, I uh, in a, or music culture, I just cringe immediately. All right, and a lot of the things that you see these Christian based films that have come out, frankly, come across as cash grabs. They come across as, well, you have a, a large group of people who they, they have very few things that are just made specifically for them. In fact, you have a large group of people that are, are probably a bit anti-Hollywood or anti-actor, actress, and, you know, because of other reasons, and you can just read between the lines and whatever. Um, and so to make something that's only for them, you know, that they really jump on top of it. And it's the reason that you can take a fairly low-budget film and tell Christians, hey, this film's for you, and then mm-hmm. it can go rake in, you know, s- 10 times its initial budget or 20 times its initial budget or whatever, uh, just because this this group of people is mobilized and is going to go consume it and watch it, and it, it comes across as they're not even concerned about the quality. They just want it because it's only for them. Very, very odd line of thinking, but that's how it comes I think across. there are a few other examples of that, but yeah, that definitely happens. Yeah, so when you have a film like Electric Jesus, that is 80s nostalgia. What's going on right now between like thinking of Stranger Things and things like that? 80s nostalgia mm-hmm. is huge right now. Uh, or, or like the music we consume, or just 80s is big, okay? It's 80s nostalgia. It's uh, Kevin from The Office, right? The Office is huge in our culture and our age bracket, stuff like that. It's, uh, it's still um, geared towards Christians. It's very obviously Christian. We even put Jesus in the title. That's how Christian this is. Um, Like, when you start adding these things up, to me, this comes across as, man, we're going to make a ton of money on this film. You know, we're going (laughs) to, this is like the next Passion of the Christ for what it's going to gross at the box office. Now, uh, it's not going to gross that much. But that's that's my knee-jerk reaction because I'm hyper aware of how people perceive the church because of how the church presents itself and and how the church behaves. Broadly speaking, generically speaking, if, 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 
some people don't a lot do. Okay, all of that said, having now sat down with the director and writer, okay, understanding who's behind the scenes, uh, specifically Daniel Johnson, who has a great documentary that I've actually talked about on this uh, show before. Uh, uh, it's like Daniel Johnson of, of Family Story or Make a Joyful Noise Here, something like that. You can find the documentary, great documentary. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about his, um, not biblical theology, but it's like musical theology of how he approaches songwriting. So, so feeling like I understand his motivations, having sat down with the writer-director now, having walked through the story of how it got made, how long it took to get made, the things that it predates because of how long it took to get made, mm. I now don't feel like this is a blatant cash grab. All right? <laughs> so... That was useful for me. I wish that I could have seen the film after having talked to the director. Um, I did laugh out loud at parts. I think the music is genuinely catchy, too catchy. Like it's, I can still, <laughs> I can still remember melodies, and I've only seen the film once. And it was a few year, uh, years ago. It was a few weeks ago, <laughs> and I can still this remember melodies does to, us. to like several of the songs, which is a, a really good sign. Um, so I wish I could have seen the film without my own things that I brought into it, but I can't. So the only thing that I'll say is that um, if you're going to see the film, and you, sh- I think you should. I- I'm not telling you not to. I think you should. And it is, uh, broadly speaking, it's a fam- family-friendly, so you can watch it with everybody in your household. I would listen to the interview first that we did on Art Department. That's the first thing I'll say. And the second thing I'll say is no going into it that it's genuine, all right? I was assuming too long that this was a satire or I was assuming too much of the film that this was like tongue in cheek and it was going to like, we were going to get the big punchline at the end or the big twist at the end. And then what you Mm -hmm. realize by the time you get through it is, oh no, this is very genuine. This is, is meant to be very heartfelt. This is meant to be very sincere and the posture of the people writing it is very sincere and that also messed up my watching experience. So hmm. that's the only other thing I'll say. Understand that it is meant to be a sincere film. Yes, it's meant to have humor in it. But when people say something with a serious tone, the director is intending for you to take that seriously. And I I had a disconnect when I watched it. And I think that hurt my viewing experience. So all in all... Um, I don't think it's a, I mean, I think it's a very capable movie. I, I think it, it probably is timed very well. I think everything going on in the world is going to help it be very successful. I think the movie probably was a bit bland for my taste. And because of the environment I come from, my knee jerk reaction was very negative about the film. Uh, I've since walked that back a little bit, but the thing is you can only have a first impression once. And that was my first impression. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to know what someone's opinion of the film is uh, that watches it if they aren't a Christian or don't have a background in this stuff, like like a music background or something like that. I'd be very interested to know what your opinion is of the film because I have no way of knowing what your opinion would be because I can't separate the knowledge I already have. So um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Angie, do you have anything you'd like to add or subtract from what I just said? No, I think that uh, I think you are. I think you're. Right on. I, I had some different feelings coming out of the film than you did. I know we talked about that, like personally, but um, I thought for the better part of the first ninety percent of the movie that it was satirical, and so it it plays as an absolute perfect satire. 
until the last 10% of it. And it's hilarious as a satire. It's very funny as a satire. <laughs> um, and then at the end of it, you realize it wasn't intended to be a satire at all. And so I'd have to go back and watch it again with a, with a different lens, I think. The the music is is really good. Um, I think if uh, I think if you wanted to watch it from the lens of something like like Spinal Tap or something like that that is um, that is satirical, uh, then you could watch all up until like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, and then you could just turn it off, and you'll have you'll have a a great Christian metal band satire film from you know set in the 80s the late 80s or mm-hmm. i guess mid 80s it's 1986 um and you'd be you i think you'd be happy i think you'd be happy with that so uh uh that's kind of my my review of it the the music is catchy like i'll st- I still find myself singing it it's crazy how we saw it one time but they play the music so much in the in the film it's very musically based that uh it for sure embeds itself into your psyche and it's not and i should clarify like it's not even necessarily meant to be holier than thou christian i mean one of the songs in the movies beat you off um (laughs) okay you know like um commandos for christ which is hilarious so commandos for christ Um, is one of the is one of the staple songs and it's like it's hair metal so it's like commandos for christ Let's nice. all go commando. But like, then like, legitimately, like the imagery is him like shooting and killing non-Christians and stuff. So it's meant to be like, but it's meant to be in like a, uh, it it's, is meant to be funny. It's, it's meant to be yeah, funny, yeah. but not, not satirical. It's meant to be funny in the truest, in the truer sense of saying when you're growing up as a teenager in the church, you felt like you were on fire for Christ. And that just, that, that sense of, uh, of, teen angsty just plays itself out in these ways where they're they're being truly honest about this thing where they think this is going to get people on fire for jesus and this is going to help people rally behind the cause and then like years removed from that you're watching this going like oh my gosh i can't believe i was it's earnestness plus naivety yes exactly that's exactly right and so and that's what and that's what they want you to see when it's funny it's naivety and when it's serious it's earnest and what is confu- what was mm. is tough as a viewer is that it feels like it's all just supposed to be funny the whole time. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. flip back and forth between like the songs are ridiculous, so, but when this person says this, it's serious. Yeah. And so yeah, when I you so that. saying what you were saying, Patrick, I'll echo it. <clears throat> listen to our interview first before you before you watch. If you're a patron, listen to the interview first, then go watch your screener. Um, because uh, I think that will help you. It'll help you appreciate the film better, I think. Um, 100%. So that's that would be my review of it. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of things I want to talk about. One, uh, I did something today that uh, I've never done before. I uh, supported Wikipedia financially because I got this massive oh, yeah. blurb that they put on their website um, asking for it, and they, they made a really strong case. And so uh, if you ever use Wikipedia for anything, um, or if you are like, me and use wikipedia regularly like looking up you know statistics and facts and and different things like that interesting tidbits um consider just throwing a couple bucks their way they you know they they are a totally fundraised um organization and so whatever they i i I was gonna read to you their their plea 
Uh, but once I gave, the plea went away. I can't, <laughs> I can't pull it back up. Maybe <laughs> one of you could pull it up and see, but um, see. the way that they make their case, like I read it to Patrick as I was reading it, and he was like, it's kind of hard to argue with that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They're asking for anybody who uses the site, like if everybody who used the site gave $2.75, they would be fine. And they essentially said like, if, uh, if you feel like okay, you've I gotten- Okay, I think I found it. Is it like in a big blue block? It? Yeah. In a red yeah, box. Yeah. We ask you humbly, don't scroll away. Hi, reader in the U.S. This Monday, for the fifth time recently, we ask you to defend Wikipedia's independence. Our 2020 fundraiser will be over soon. Thanks to the 2% of our readers who donate, Wikipedia remains open to all. If Wikipedia is giving you $2.75... Oh my gosh, why can't I talk? $2.75 worth of knowledge. Take a minute to donate to Wikipedia Endowment to keep thriving. If you are one of our rare donors, we warmly thank you. Yours is different than mine. There's oh. there's some key there's some key differences. It's called A B testing, everybody. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they do. Well, in case you don't know about this, you might y'all y'all are marketing people. You might, but basically, what these companies will do is they'll run different messaging, and they'll run it for all different kinds of reasons. But they'll female test. versus male, registered Republican. Could be yeah. demo- it Democrat. could be yeah your your demographic, your geographical <laughs> yeah. location. It could be any mm-hmm. number of reasons they do it, or it could just be blindly two different messages. They see the response they get, and then they will change the messaging that they show based on what messaging gets a greater response. And so they're just testing lots of messages with different people. So yours was a lot less aggressive than mine, yeah, and because oh, okay. they know you're how hard headed you are, Andrew. They don't yeah, want to make know. me cry. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> mine was blue and yours was red. So I don't know what yeah. I don't know what to read into that. But um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so if if you ever use Wikipedia, they I do I feel like they do make a good case. Like okay, five dollars oh, yeah. to contribute to them for all of the. I got the blue one. Maybe knowledge. my household is more democratic Maybe than Lawrence. <laughs> oh, Laura, that's right. You have voted Trump for the last six elections. That's right. <laughs> I would ask that you stop wearing your MAGA hat while we're podcasting. It is disrespectful. Yeah, at this I know. Point. It's really terrible. He is the outgoing <laughs> president. Let's show some respect. Um, all right. So the uh, uh, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is I started watching this show with Patrick this week called Dairy Girls. Yep. And it's oh, um, I only know about that because they did the special Bake Off episode. <laughs> okay, yeah, and that's how I saw that. I haven't watched that episode yet, but um, watched uh, two the first two episodes of Dairy Girls. It's very funny. Um, looking forward to continuing that series. It's uh, it, it's pretty funny. It's about these these um takes place in Ireland, and it's these girls who go to an all girls private school, um, who want to buck the system and be kind of rebellious and whatever but it's it is it is quite funny it's it's very very in your face european humor like it's very (laughs) in your face um you should i think you would like it lauren a lot it's a lot of like yeah it's a lot of uh miss uh, misguided female empowerment is kind of how i would say it's like these coming of age female empowerment show but like where they just fail over and over and over again because they don't really know (laughs) what that actually means um and so uh it's it's pretty interesting like in fact one of the i'll read two uh, i'll tell you two lines one of them i have to remember Mm -hmm. um the girl they're going to this they go to this prep school right and so they all have to wear Mm -hmm. these uniforms and she's getting ready to walk out in a denim jacket and the mom says no absolutely not no way and then so she leaves and she's wearing her she's wearing her blazer and she goes out to the street and her, their friends collect and there's one girl shows up and she is wearing a denim jacket and she's like, what happened? I thought we were doing it. And they're like, yeah, we can't blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, I'm not going to be an individual by myself. And she takes it off and puts her blazer on. 
which I think is <laughs> I think is is really indicative of the show. But then this other line that I wrote down, I thought was great. They go to this uh, they go to this place and they're they're looking for jobs and there's this job wall posting. Um, mm-hmm of like you know walk you know walk walk my pets or babysit or whatever like it's just like one of those like uh, community kind of community boards, boards. Yeah. yeah and one of the girls says uh they they realized that they didn't realize that this was a, a job board this whole time she says i thought this was i thought these were all dead cat posters and the other girl says you mean missing cat posters and the other girl says if you're an optimist <laughs> i'm like that's great that's pretty good that's pretty fantastic writing so um yeah yeah, dairy girls if you have trouble with very thick european accents put the um put the subtitling on and then yeah i don't like about subtitles is they ruin punchlines that's true true. oh and they take up 20 percent of the screen yeah the main (laughs) thing is they ruin punchlines that's true that's true I did like just from seeing that one uh, like holiday bake off episode with those girls, like kind of want to watch the show because they were like really charming and like seemed like very fun to like watch. So I, I am curious to check that show out. There's a little bit with the the main actress and then like one of the sub one of the sub characters. There's a bit of an issue with overacting. And I don't know if it's okay. just her face like she might is, that she might actually be earning. <laughs> well. She might actually be earnest. That makes sense when you see it. Like she acts with yeah. her face, but she like overacts with her face. And maybe that's just kind of how she is. Patrick made the made the uh, the comment that it was like watching fi- like two 50 year old women, but in like 17 year old, 17 year old girl bodies. That like, makes that so was... much sense for a British show, though. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The, Honestly, also... like that sense of humor. It's it's hard to tell how much it's like the expression and and how much it looks like someone that's trying to be so careful to enunciate that like it affects oh. like all their pacing. Like some and yeah, like but. somebody with a stutter really has to try hard and they're so like their lips are pursed a certain way and like they their mouth opens. There's up people extra that listen to us that are like angry at what we're saying. Why? I don't, I just feel like there's someone. That, I feel like there's at least one angry person listening to this show. Well, there's probably always angry people listening to the show, but because yeah. of what we're saying, like what are we you saying? You know right who now? you are. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, we'll 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 move on from. It's that. a great show. It's it's very it's actually very very funny. Um. And then awesome. the, the final thing I want to kind of divert totally. My my um my category this week is I'm excited to talk about it as a film that I saw that was from last year, but I saw it this year. But the artwork, um was very uh reminiscent of an artist and i almost to the point where i wondered if the artist actually worked on it um and i looked and i see no connection between the film and the artist but i want to talk about the artist because his work is fantastic his name is um tom booth and his um i may have even talked about him on the podcast yeah it sounds really familiar like years ago but tom booth um his his style is so unique and so simultaneously playful oh, and stylized so cool. but but also like really touching and um he, he has a really good way of capturing expression and capturing emotion in his drawings um and the, awesome. this the stylization of it i think is fantastic he does a lot with this this character that is like this um this woodsman and he carves uh like it's almost like uh maybe uh, there was a woodsman who um lost his wife or something like that and he's constantly mm-hmm. carving her and like 
um, just to have somebody to 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 be with or to kind of recapture somebody who he's lost. That's kind of the vibe you get. He does a lot yeah. of work with that. Um, he does some children's book stuff as well. Um, but the link to his thing is in the show notes. He is um, his yeah. This is handle amazing. Is called I'm Tom will tell. Right yeah, Tom will tell. He's uh, he's fantastic. Uh, I oh my I gosh, would love yeah, to reach out amazing. and get him on the show. I think he's he's an amazing artist and just to just to kind of pick his brain for a little bit. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll work on on that. But uh, Tom Booth. Tom will tell is his uh, is his handle. Link to it will be in show notes, um, but go check it out. It is very very cool. Um, okay, that's me, Lauren. I think you're taking us home. All right. Uh, this week I finally got a break from work. I finished my big project, um, and so I put up my Christmas tree, which Patrick actually gave me last year, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, you have Patrick's so old Christmas yeah. tree. <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, And our Harry Potter expert from Pondering Potter, Kat Cobb, was the one who came over and helped me set it all up. Uh, She had never seen Die Hard before, so we watched that while we set up the movie, or start up the tree, I mean. (laughs) Uh, And it is a great movie, in case you haven't seen it, uh, because we're trying to get like kind of alternative Christmas movies, I guess. Uh, But Die Hard is great, holds up wonderfully. And then we also watched Gremlins, which is like, I was like, we have to watch Gremlins after this for some reason. And that's one of my like legitimate favorite Christmas movies. I think it's just a great movie. I love Gremlins. Uh, Everybody should watch Gremlins. I'm I'm throwing this out right now. Before this year is over, specifically Mm -hmm. before Christmas, we need to talk to Hefnatron on the podcast. Uh, Blaine Hefner those listening, you have seen his work because he's done shows with galleries where he does like tree toppers or tree ornaments, but oh, he fun. does um, die hard ornaments. That's one that always makes every year I see it on Reddit or, um, you know, whatever it makes the rounds. But you realize he actually, that we have, we have eight days to do that. If you want to do it before Christmas, we, he, he lives, 15, <laughs> he lives 15 minutes from us. What? He lives 15 minutes from us. That's one of his um, tree toppers right there. And oh, that's can awesome! You put, can you put that link in? Put that link in Notion so that I will. we can. Yeah. He literally yes. he lives in San Marcos, so that's, yeah, that's really good. Have, we should talk to him. But we, we I would love to have coming. a Gremlins one next, <laughs> where they're like climbing up the tree. That climbing would be great. Up would be, yeah, that would be good. Yes, um, and so then in like regular Christmas movie land. Uh, I watched The Happiest Season, which is the new um, Hulu movie, which you probably know is the lesbian Christmas uh, comedy with Kristen Stewart on that's come out on Hulu. It has like Dan Levy, uh, a huge cast of like pretty awesome people. Alison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, uh, Mary Holland, who is my favorite character in the movie. Um, just like a lot of people you'll recognize. Um, as you could probably recognize by the fact that I like Die Hard and Gremlins to watch for Christmas movies, this is not exactly my kind of movie. <laughs> I'm not right. a big rom-com person, and I don't tend to like holiday movies either. I just think they're, like, I don't know, too cheesy or <laughs> something like that. I don't know. So uh, I was excited to watch this, though, because I like the cast. It's an interesting premise that, like, they're gay, so, like, there's not too many movies that do that. That is um, interesting. But- <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Um, no, let me but, let me say this real quick, real quick. I want to point yes. this out because mm-hmm. um, there there was like a girls' night that happened at my house uh, mm-hmm. that I threw naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously. But genuinely, it was They're like typically called ladies' nights. But it was, yes, it was Mackenzie and two other females. Sorry, and they were looking for movies, and I thought I I'm great at Google. I'm gonna help them find movies. So I was looking up like best like Netflix movies, Netflix holiday movies, new Netflix holiday releases, all this kind of stuff. 
And um, I feel like of the top 10, six of them are not uh, straight. Like it's some type of different hmm. combination. So I know that you're saying like, like what were the six, what were the ones on there? Here I'm gonna I'm Gremlins gonna look, Die Hard. I'm gonna look some <laughs> up. I'm gonna look some up. But I'm just saying like I I understand what you're saying about how when we think of holiday movies it tends to be very like it's a man and a woman and they you know like a very straightforward love story. <laughs> Straight. Uh, that wasn't a pun. Yeah. Uh, it's just a word. <laughs> Um, but I actually think there has been a trend lately of I don't inclusivity. Know yeah, I would say I, you want to say alternative a- relationships, but that doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. just like non-straight couples. I'll look. Them yeah, up. yeah. I would say I have seen a bunch of rom-coms recently that have to do with that. Like, like Love Simon is a really good one. Um, but like, it's not a holiday movie, so I don't know if that like also crosses exi- like you know exists in this weird zone. Um, but. I, I thought this movie was okay. We did laugh a lot, but I definitely like didn't like the ending of this movie. Um, I I don't know. I would like to talk about this movie with people who are gay because like I haven't lived this experience, whatever. But I would never put up with being treated the way that the girl, like Kristen Stewart's character, does in this movie. They should have broken up. <laughs> so let me let me ask this question. This is slightly off topic, but totally on topic. Um, did you watch? Did you do a movie marathon with Cat Cop? Like where you finished the tree and then you watched Die Hard, then you watched Gremlins, and then you watched like like is this what you did? Uh no. Well we watched Die Hard while we did the tree, and then we watched uh-huh. Gremlins afterwards, and then this was the next day with some with a, a different group of people. Okay, I just right. wanna say real quick, I just started Googling to give you some movies. There's an mm-hmm. article from this month called Same Sex Kisses Under the Mistletoe and uh, Mistletoe, Holiday okay. Movies Rethink a Formula. And it talks about well, six films from this year that are Christmas films with gay and lesbian characters. So I'm, I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop okay. it to you so you can uh, see it in Host Lounge. But yeah, I, that's just something I noticed that when I was looking for films this year, like everybody dropped them in 2020. Because I know there was like another one that came out where it's like a guy couple, and like I can't even remember the name of it. Um, sorry to that movie, <laughs> but I can like, tell you the name yeah, of it. I guess it's like in if, this if, if that movie is listening, up. the sorry. Christmas House is a yeah. guy couple. I think that's the one, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's I probably won't watch any of these movies <laughs> that are on this list otherwise. My uh, issue because I had is, friends who wanted to watch it. I have such a distaste for Christmas films, which is weird because that's I love part of Christmas. my thing too. I don't like either of those genres, so like this was like I'm probably not going to really like this movie. But I did laugh a lot, so it's like very it's like an enjoyable movie. If you like this kind of thing, you probably would like it. I just didn't. I love Christmas. I love Christmas treats. I love Christmas lights. I love all of it. I hate Christmas movies. I think they they like the the They're strings. Pandering. Yeah, the emotional strings yeah. they try to pull on. I just I don't care for it. I just want to see. Fancy do you have lights. any that that's you do it. like? Is there one? Because I have a like, few. Like like I like Home Alone. Like that's a good like pretty normal Elf. one. I, I like Elf. That, Elf. I don't know really that funny. I would say I like Home Alone. It's I mean I will watch it if Careful. if someone invited me to watch it. I would say yes. But at the same time, like it's kind of it's painful to watch, and like Christmas Vacation. No, I don't think I, a lot of that. Humor I think that's I funny. Find funny. I don't know. I it's just okay. I would. I'll have to let me think about it. I don't know that okay. I have any Christmas films that I'm like clamoring to watch. Um, but yeah. So 
those are all the Christmas movies I watched. <laughs> now onto one more regular movie that I'd like to talk about before we move on. Um, this is really silly, and it just like was what me and Trevor ended up watching. Um, have you guys heard of the movie Real Steel? It came out like a long time ago. It's with Hugh Jackman, and it's basically Rock'em Sock'em Robots made into a movie. <laughs> yes, yes. I, <laughs> I never have. watched it, but I know about it. Yeah. Yeah, I had never watched it either, but we were like digging around on Netflix. I'm like, this looks like fun, and it, we don't it's have like to keep looking for a movie Pacific if we rim. watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, honestly, this is way, way, way better than I would have ever, ever imagined it would be. Like, it's actually like a pretty legitimately good movie. Like, I should have maybe like known that because I feel like I get sucked into sports movies really easily. And this is just essentially like a boxing movie. So like, it is just like very fun. And like, by the end of it, we were like cheering for the robots to win. And I actually did shed a tear at the end. So <laughs> it is a really good movie. I was just like really surprised how much I liked it, especially given given that like it doesn't look like anything special or anything that interesting but it's uh, on Netflix now and I would definitely say check it out. And uh that'll be it for me. Okay. That was a very merry uh segment. Yeah. I still have to watch Muppet Christmas Carol. That's like my other I can't believe movie you've I never like. seen that. No, I have. <laughs> I just haven't watched it this year. <laughs> um all right. So that's it for the around the table up next. Let's talk about some categories. Every week we talk about things from the pop culture world that are new to us or new to the world in general, and that's what we're going to keep doing. Um, I will start. I'll start this time. Okay. Uh, mine will be brief. Um, I saw the movie, the 2019 Christmas classic, new classic, uh, Klaus. Um, is it Claus or Klaus? Klaus? Is, is it Klaus? 100%. Klaus? Okay. Um, and it is a really unique Christmas movie, and the animation style is absolutely phenomenal. I had I had heard good things about it and intended to watch it last year and just got kind of lost in the shuffle. This year, continued to hear more things about it as, as the season came upon us, and so sat down to watch it. This was a movie that, um, that was a retelling of a story from a different perspective. And it tells the story. I'm, I'm guessing most people who are listening have already seen this movie. So I, I I'm, this is probably more of a recap for most people, but um, it's the retelling of, of the Christmas story and how like the Christmas origins, however, from a different perspective. And so it takes place in this, this tiny town in like, like way North, I don't even know like what country it's in. Couldn't tell you. I really didn't pay so, attention to the details. Some like uh, you know, some uh, icy Norwegian country or something like I, I don't know. It's it's some place, um, and a postman gets sent there. Uh, he's trying to earn his stripes. He has a he has a a wealthy father who's the postmaster, and he wants to um, he wants to prove himself to his dad in order to be able to maintain his uh, his inheritance and be able to maintain his healthy and uh fruitful lifestyle um and in order to do that he has to prove himself so he goes and he has to he, with the the goal of getting six thousand letters postmarked by christmas and so i'm not going to go through all the details but he goes to this town where these two families have this lifelong feud that goes on and they constantly are going back and forth it's like the angriest and saddest in whatever town um uh you know, the least happy town that you'll ever find. And um, he's he's trying to get them to send letters so that he can get his quota up so that he can move back out of there. Along the way, he finds this this man um, 
He's a woodsman, and his name is it's Klaus, right? Yeah. Okay, Klaus is the woodsman. Um, very strong, burly man, um, and uh, he finds that he has this toy shop or this toy, th- this room in his house, this like uh, in his cabin that has all of these toys that this that this wood that this woodsman made handmade and um he gets the kids to start writing letters to klaus uh and um the 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 whatever you want to call it the the tradition of writing letters to santa becomes comes into play because now klaus delivers these um these packages using the postman delivers these packages to the kids at night uh, when they write a letter to him requesting one. So um, there's a lot more to the story. It's very moving. It's funny. Uh, it's it's incredibly emotional. Um, at the end of it especially has some really um, some deep emotional pulls and tugs right there, especially at the end. Um, but what what captured me the most is the style. It's The movie is clearly rendered in a 3D space. Like it's clearly mm-hmm. rendered in a 3D space, but the style applied to it, the texture is applied to it, the lighting applied to it is all done in such a way that it has a 2D effect. So it feels like a very highly rendered two-dimensional animated movie. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like I, it's going to forever be a, it's going to be a Christmas classic for me, or a, Chris, a Christmas tradition for me moving forward. Uh, much like El Camino Christmas, which we haven't watched yet this year. Oh um, but... Um, <laughs> That's uh, it's I've I'm in the drawing spirit as of late, and I'm going to absolutely draw some of the characters uh, from that sometime between now and Christmas because I think they yeah. captured they captured the the just this absolute beautiful unseen version of Christmas that I've ever seen before uh, in in that movie. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's a it's a Netflix original, right? As far as I know, I think yeah, it I only it lives it on, yeah, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been out since last year. You know, right. I talked about it on the podcast last year. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of animated films. Uh, and this is one that I, I actually really did enjoy. I found it very moving, but yeah. also very funny and, and engaging. And a Christmas movie. Yes. And it's it's short enough that um, you're not going to... And I it might be shorter because, uh, again, this is something you sit down with family and like watch with kids. So I guess you don't want... You don't need like three hours, six minute runtime. Um, but it's short enough that, um, like I can stomach it. <laughs> like, well, I don't know that I could sit down and watch a super <laughs> long animated film. This no. is a really good clip. The pacing is awesome. It, w- and what's interesting, you know, it's going to be good because Patrick doesn't watch animated films. He, like you said, he, he, like he said in this episode, he doesn't watch Christmas films. So mm-hmm. a Christmas animated film, he, when he was pitching it to me, when I said, Hey, have you ever seen this movie? He said, yeah, I, I actually love it. And he said, I think he's like, He's like, I feel like it's only 45 minutes long. And I was looking at it and I'm like, no, it's an hour and a half. Like I was looking at the runtime. He's like, wow, it only feels like 45 minutes. So the fact that it doesn't feel like it trudges along, that tells you something. Um, Patrick's kind of mini review of it right there tells you, tells me everything I would need to know to to realize that this is something worth watching. Um, So if you haven't seen this movie yet, watch it. I I guarantee you, um, you're going to love something about it, if not everything about it. I loved everything about it. The voice talents are fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Klaus, or Santa, they never call him Santa, but that's the Santa character, um, is J.K. Simmons. Um, oh, nice. It's, <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty great. Uh, and yeah, so go check, uh, go check out Klaus. Patrick, why don't you talk? 
Absolutely. I want to say something real quick. I don't understand the appeal of Charlie Brown. That's not my entire. That's not my entire. That's whatever. Patrick's hot take. It's, All right, Lauren, take it away. It's it's boring. <laughs> like as a kid, I I never liked it as a kid. I thought it was really boring. And as you're talking a, specifically about. Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm thinking or, in terms of Charlie Brown Christmas, but let's just lump it all together as one thing right now for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, what is the is the appeal nostalgia? Is the appeal that it's Charlie Brown, or is there something that I'm missing? I'm kind of in the same boat as you because, like, I never really got into Charlie Brown as a kid. I thought it was too slow, and like, I thought it was cute, and I enjoyed the comic strip of Peanuts more than I liked the cartoon itself. Does that make sense? Because like. Yeah. At that time, there was also like a Garfield cartoon show and all that stuff. But like, I just remember reading the like newspaper comics more than anything, which I mean, that probably ages us a lot <laughs> to say that we remember reading comics in the newspaper. <laughs> no, but it's, it's just one of those things like I, I assume that Charlie Brown is primarily for kids. And mm-hmm. I understand there's a lot of nostalgia around it, but I never enjoyed it as a kid. And as an adult, I don't enjoy it. So I just don't understand who enjoys I it. I think there must be kids who did like it. It's just not you or I. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I, I just, I've been looking at Christmas movies, trying to find one that I liked ever since uh, you're around the table, and I'm just struggling to find any that stand out to me. There is one I, I oddly want to see, and that one came out this year. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say this and, and actually jump into my stuff. I actually think Jingle Jangle looks surprisingly good. I know it's probably it for... It looks cute. I know it's probably for kids, whatever. It's really highly reviewed. It's got Keegan-Michael Key. It has Forrest Whitaker... I heard some bits of it because uh, we over Thanksgiving there was uh, one of the kids were in there watching it. The music that I heard was actually really catchy, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to sitting through that if I need to sit through something. But no, I just I'll, I would like to be proven wrong that there are like better Christmas movies out there. I just do think a lot of them are very cheesy. I think the fact that most people would tell you oh, "Love Actually" is the best Christmas film is a really it, that's a really good way of proving that Christmas movies suck because that uh, I actually really like Love Actually but there are parts of it that are terrible <laughs> but there's a Love Actually reference in the second episode of Dairy Girls that you'll catch that there there's a lot of like Love Actually references this time of year <laughs> anyway Cyberpunk 2077 I don't know if I mentioned on the show last week but I did pick it up on release date you know I had not actually planned to buy this game I've been hearing about it. It's been talked about for a while. I, I certainly hear the drama around it because it's been delayed several times. I think the game has been in development for the better part of a decade at this point in development. And uh, and I hadn't planned on buying it, but the hype was just so much I bought into it. Uh, I've, I've only got my Xbox recently, and all I've been playing is a very, a very singular style game. And I decided to, to maybe try to branch out. And so the idea of an, an open world... Uh, especially with the aesthetic, the cyberpunk aesthetic, really uh, fits my vibe. And given mm-hmm. all the hype, I said, you know what? I, Yeah, I'll try it out. Now, early reviews were tough to it looks gauge awesome. because even though the embargo was lifted, uh, cyberpunk was not letting any of the outlets show gameplay from the game. They could only use the gameplay that cyberpunk had, or CD Projekt Red had provided them. So even though you're able to read early reviews, and early, mm-hmm. re- and early reviews would all say about the same thing, Great game, super buggy, but we can't actually show you what we're talking about. And so people were left in the dark until it released. But release day came, I decided to jump on the bandwagon, downloaded it, and so far I've maybe got 15 hours in the game, which you know isn't a super amount of uh, a time, but it's enough that I can uh, form an opinion about it. So real quick, for those mm-hmm. that don't know, Cyberpunk 27, uh, 2077, you play the character as V, 
Uh, in the character V, you can pick uh, one of three uh, kind of life paths, right? And it's it's the background of your character. It's how your character came up. And uh, that life path is supposed to influence the route you take uh, throughout your game. Now, this game was sold uh, or pitched over the last several years of having, you know, in addition to the things you'd expect of being beautiful and, and all that kind of stuff, as having the most advanced AI of any game that every any character in the game, if you were to decide to follow them, they would actually have a 24-hour like path that they would go. They would actually you could follow them around as they do their daily life, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's how this was pitched. That that everybody was programmed with their own path and their own life. And then Holy when you interacted with them, they would have uh, very individual interactions with you. And then um, it's kind of like it, Westworld. <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. They're all then, in their loops. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It, yep. All the characters <laughs> be in their loops. And so uh, that was touted. Uh, at one point, you were supposed to be able to like buy, buy real estate in the city and actually like anywhere you could live, which was like a big thing. And then there was supposed to be um, a wall walking was supposed to be one of the things you could do. Uh, be, everybody is like uh, some level of... So even though there's people, these people get, people get these like cybernetic implants... And I think that's the term. Uh, and so you're all like some level of robot. And so they were supposed to be this like hugely like you were supposed to be hugely customizable as a person because not only could you customize physical features, but then through these implants, like you could create these like, you know, these crazy characters. And then um, mm-hmm. the, as you go through the game, the decisions you make are supposed to increase in, increasingly compound into giving you a very unique experience. And because of that, it should have a high level replayability, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Mm hmm. There's more, but that's enough. Here's here's the more. There's more. (laughs) And that's what they've been saying for a while. Here's the point. It just released. And uh, it's hard to to see a lot of that. A a lot of stuff just flat out got cut out. Okay. You're supposed to have transit access. That's cut out. Yeah. Wall walking got cut out. Um, Do you feel like these are things they'll add? Could. The ability to buy property cut out. Uh, The the AI, clearly, like the fact that people would run in these loops and have their own. I don't see where that's implemented at all. Um, the warrant system cut out. Okay, so a lot of this stuff people have been promised does not exist in the game. Uh, the game so far comes across as very brute force. In addition to that, these life paths, these these backgrounds that were supposed to make such a huge difference in your gameplay experience. What I've been reading for people that have done several of the paths, several of the intros is that after about 30 minutes of game time, everybody ends up in the same part of the story, and then your path is exactly the same. So in in perpetuity or just like for the opening segment? There can be small... You ultimately end up on the same like quest chain. Now, based on how you choose to respond to a situation, there could be small differences, but those differences don't compound and stay with you. Right. It seems like those differences have a very limited impact. Choosing not to kill somebody versus killing somebody might change your next three steps, but step four is going to be the same regardless. Right. So there's an example of this early on in a quest where you can choose to like basically off this guy that's a part of a gang or... Mm -hmm. If you do a certain, like, answer a certain set of questions a certain way, he'll actually work with you. All right? So that's a two very different sure, outcomes. Sure, yeah. He can hate you or work with you. However, once you're outside that quest chain, if you encounter him or his gang again, they're hostile towards you. 
even if y'all worked together in that quest, you would think if y'all had worked together to do this thing, you've made a lifelong friend. You would have made some exactly. Yeah. But and that's the point. Your decisions. But hey, listen, bounty hunting is a dangerous profession. Well, whatever. Your decisions <laughs> don't seem to stay with you. Uh, and so, yes, there's a lot of bugs that people are complaining about visual bugs and things like that. We haven't experienced that. However, we have looked at some online, and some are pretty glaring. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but the biggest thing that, that I think people take issue with is just the game is pitched one way and that's not the game that was delivered. And if it was pitched differently, I think people would probably love it a lot more than they do right now. So um, here, here's how I a feel. promise of over-promising and under-deliver. Yeah, I've told you a lot about how other people and feel. And it was also they... delayed a lot as well, right? Like that's part of the problem. Absolutely. I mean, three times just this year that they said an absolute final launch date, we're not going to move it and then moved it. There has been enough problems since launch that they've offered up refunds to anyone that's on a console. So if you if you bought it on a Xbox or PlayStation, uh, you can request a refund, and they'll they'll uh, apparently grant it. At least that's what CDPR is saying. So all of that said, wow. that's how that's what other people have said. I'll tell you how I feel about it, having now played it. I've actually had a good experience. We haven't had a lot of glitchiness. It's a beautiful game. I'm I'm playing it on. The last model Xbox, but um, Xbox One S. Yeah, the One S exactly. So that I think that one does have a better processor and things like that. Uh, it does look very pretty. Uh, we've only really had one glitch, but the glitch didn't prevent us from finishing our min- our mission, and that glitch did go away. So we, we haven't <laughs> that had... that glitch went away when that character died. Yeah, that's not the <laughs> point. But but the the thing is, it's it's gone very smoothly. I've enjoyed the gameplay so far. Now. What I have noticed is if you go to interact with people, there's just nothing there. Like, yes, you can talk to anybody you want to talk to. Nobody's going to talk back to you. It's mostly like this. Hey, what? And then they just keep walking. And that's the extent (laughs) of the interaction. There's all of these, like, terminals and vendors and machines and all this, like, awesome stuff. You can't interact with any of it. Now, it's very possible that they fix Hmm. a lot of bugs. That in future um, patches and updates, they roll out, uh, you know, they bring functionality to the stuff that's visually in place. It this essentially game, is just like, a, te- like a, a really expansive texture pack. So this game is beautiful, in my opinion. I think it's a beautiful game, mm-hmm. but the substance just isn't there. So over the course of the next three months, six months, year, two years, I do think this game will ultimately, because this isn't going to be a short-lived game. I think mm-hmm. they're they're treating this like a Grand Theft Auto where like they're going to be running this mm. world for the next decade, you know. So in the next couple of years, I think this game will be incredibly expansive. I think a lot of these promises we haven't seen fulfilled will ultimately get fulfilled. And not just through CDPR, but also through the modding community. And I, I think it yeah. will absolutely be worth the cost. Uh, day one, it is a shell of what was promised. It is a beautiful shell. But it is a it is a shell without substance. Uh, so I've still enjoyed it, but it's I think I primarily enjoy it because I haven't followed the promises. I'm I was going to say back on it. But do you I feel think, like like if they hadn't said all this stuff, it would be more successful? Like, but but it's mainly just that people feel so disappointed, or it's also sure. that it's these other th- issues. I mean, it doesn't help that it is like f- like kind of five problems already. But people feel like they get lied to. Now, yeah, you, you know, and there's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff we can get into about why that happens. At the end of the day, people feel like they get lied to. They feel like they're promised one thing, delivered another thing. And and it is what it is. The The studio, obviously, they have deadlines they're trying to meet. They have obligations to investors or shareholders or whoever else. So, uh, you know, they have a plan for that. They're trying to run on a certain timeline. People 
uh, obviously um, want to get something new and great and amazing, and you have a marketing team that's also pushing something, but you have developers that are pushing something else. You know, it's uh, however you end up in this situation. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time we've got here, and in fact, I would say mo- it seems like a lot of modern titles are falling into this same path of people feeling like they get a game, the game is not complete yet, and then it takes several months of patches and DLC to ultimately feel like you've gotten the game that you felt like you should get on day one. Maybe the pre-order system is to blame. You know, maybe people should, you know, quote-unquote vote with their money, not buy anything up front, and if someone releases a bad game, don't purchase it, and then because you don't put money in their pocket, it forces developers to make sure a game is more thoroughly completed before dropping it. You know that. So uh, some people will tell you that the pre-order system is to blame, or the fact that pre-order people pre-order games, even though they're like AAA titles, is an issue. It, it, it could be the way that studios or, or employees or whatever are incentivized that creates the issues. It, it, it could be any number of things. I, I think the reality mm-hmm. is a lot of these large titles. A developer doesn't want to release a game and it's a one shot and be done with it. You yeah. know, if you can, if think about the PlayStation was how old is the PS4? How long has it been out? A long like, time. Like I think like six or seven years. So let's say it's been out for uh, seven years. Yeah, it came out in 2013. It's been out for seven years. Why I was like, would yeah, you I bought one for game first that has a six? <laughs> yeah. If you know that, and, and you you can assume that the PS5 is going to live at least that long, it might be a 10-year console, right? Because of what the hardware is. So mm-hmm. why would you release a game that's kind of a one-shot? We think this will be good for six months or a year, and people are going to move on. You want to release a game that people are going to be playing for the next decade. So from that standpoint, you don't need to deliver all the features on day one. You need to deliver enough features to hook people in and then get them into a cycle of, of DLC um, updates, etc. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, some people will complain mm-hmm. that, oh, quit selling people unfinished games. It's one thing to sell an unfinished game. It's another thing to sell a game and then keep expanding on that world year after year after year. And I think that's an awesome thing to do. And I think that's a, a better way to look at it. But there has to be some kind of understanding reached between studios and people of what's an acceptable starting point, and if we're an early adopter to a world that isn't finished and won't be finished for several years, quote unquote, mm-hmm. what you know, by being an early adopter, are we willing to accept that? So, from my standpoint, I know the game that CDPR, or, or I'm sorry, that Cyberpunk will ultimately end up being in the next six months, year, two years, etc. I think it's going to be an amazing game, and so I'm fine to deal with this right now, which is the reason I'm not going to request a refund. But if you're expecting to get the game that the marketing team sold to you, you're not going to get that game. You're going to be upset. If you will wait a year, I think you'll get that game. So let me, and you just have to decide what you're mm-hmm. okay with. On that on that topic, then of the marketing team, we did watch a we did watch a video talking about this. But there's uh, half of their. This is the one of the most expensive, or to date, the most expensive game to produce. I think, or it's at least in the, it's it's in the running for the for yeah. one of the most expensive games. Fifty percent of their of their uh, of their costs went to marketing. They put fifty percent right. of their costs into marketing. Oh wow! Um, which the 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 author of that video was talking like typically games like this they spend fifteen percent, you know, at most mm-hmm. fifteen twenty percent at most. But to get fifty percent, half of their funds went toward marketing. They marketed the hell out of this game, which is why there was so much hype. The, they they intentionally mm-hmm. intended to put money behind getting people stoked and ready for this game 
which is what makes the overpromising and underdelivering so much more severe because that that's mm-hmm. they've put more of if, if you could argue if they put 20% less money into the marketing and back into the development maybe they could actually make good on some of the promises that their marketing team was mm-hmm. putting into the game and so it's that's a really it's good a, point. it's a risk reward situation right so um i think we're seeing mm-hmm. We're seeing the the marketing dollars and how well those marketing dollars were spent, but but at the end of the day, if it if it caused the game to suffer because you didn't have the dollars behind it, like what you know, chicken chicken or the egg situation, right? Sure. Like what's, yeah, yeah. What's what's better? So the game. So here's the thing, though: a great game with no player base will not survive, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen we Amazon. I can't. Remember, I'm blanking on the name right now. Amazon literally released an MMORPG. The game was alive for six months and they killed it because I've the player base wasn't there. This just happened in the in the this just like this happened this year. Like this no, yeah, just I, bl- I get it. Yeah, yeah. And my my point is to say that you could maybe make the case that spending so much money in marketing, driving a player base, and then bringing in content, uh, it, there's some balance that has to be struck there right. to make sure that the players are there yeah. to support the continued to develop the continued development, but also enough content there to hold on to the players while the continued development is happening. Yeah. Because again, CDPR can't sit there and spend another three years developing this game, just burning money, burning money, burning money, and not having any sales, any uh, you know, mm-hmm. subs or DLC or, or whatever they end up rolling out in this game. So anyway, you, you could argue that if they if they had done a ratio, they 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 went so far extreme by going from a fifteen percent uh, marketing budget to fifty percent. Had they just cut that in in the middle and split the difference, they still would have been far exceeding what most companies do in marketing dollars, but still have had some of those funds to maybe put into it's, it. It's uh-huh. possible. It might have been okay if they didn't pay for Keanu Reeves. Who knows? Right. Keanu Reeves was, was 26% <laughs> of their marketing budget. <laughs> but but yeah. anyway, all of that said, I think Cyberpunk will ultimately be a really awesome game. I mean, if we want to see an example of this, No Man's Sky went through a very similar set of a sure. situation where people were promised a lot. They got it. They felt like they were hoodwinked, whatever. And now fast forward a couple of years, people love the game and it's so vast and etc etc i think cyberpunk 2770 will ultimately be good as a consumer you have to be okay if you're an early adopter with dealing with style and no substance for a bit and that style maybe being glitchy Mm -hmm. i also think that like game companies in the future should just be a little more careful about what they promise up front because like i still think that you can bring people in later by like or at least just being honest about like this is going to be something that's ready later it will not be ready when the game ready on launch right yeah, yeah, I think that that's like is like I think because the, the problem is people are upset that they feel like they're lied to. So like nobody likes to feel like that. So like adjusting people's expectations ahead of time might mitigate so many of these problems. Because like Trevor's playing this game called Baldur's Gate, which is completely in development, but it's like such a complex system that they're trying to build that it is only in testing. And it says when you start up the game every time, this is in testing. It is buggy. It is messed up. Please tell us when you find mistakes because we want to make it better. But this game's just not ready yet, and we want like we still want you guys to enjoy it though somehow and like you pay like a really small fee to get that version of the game and like your save data transfers when they have the real one you know it's not every day or every week that a company is going to release like a cyberpunk or a grand theft auto or or like a game of that scale or like a no man's sky whatever it would be interesting to see like 
how somebody could approach the messaging differently uh, in like an early adopter situation and with like a fleshed out roadmap. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, the gaming industry just has a pretty large overhaul that's going to have to happen anyway because uh, mm-hmm. it, there's another topic there, but missing deadlines is the norm. Uh, and it, it shouldn't be the norm. And not only is missing deadlines the norm, but working people 60, 70, 80 hours a week, then, you know, yeah. people sleeping at the office and, you know, going through these crunch times. And that's unfortunately also the norm in that industry. So there's just a, a lot that needs to change on that side. Um, but yeah. we need to bring on s- someone on the show that's smarter than us to talk through that. But anyway, <laughs> that was way too or long. Give me some time to research. 50% of this. <laughs> All right, Lauren, now it's you. Okay, um, so I would like to talk about the big news this week, which was uh, all of the Disney Investor Day announcements. And like, holy crap, there's just so much to talk about. I will try to not like go on and on and on, but there's literally just so many things that I thought were cool. And like, I maybe like was a little bit in the dark of like not knowing this was coming and or like how much was coming. I was like completely bowled over by this list of announcements. And like, I initially only got the Star Wars news because that's what like all of my media stuff was sending me. And I was like, wait a minute, there's all this other stuff that's coming out on FX and Hulu and, you know, just Disney Plus in general and Disney and Pixar and blah, blah, blah. So like there's just like a lot of exciting announcements um, and it's just awesome. And it's crazy that like last week we were like, wow, this WB announcement is crazy. They just kind of like, you know push their dominance to the top. And now Disney, I feel like, turned the Death Star cannon on them. They're like, screw you. You're Alderaan. You're done. (laughs) Uh, So let's, I I don't know. Like, I'll start with the Star Wars stuff because, like, that was, again, like, what I saw first. And, like, I'm literally just going to list these off so I'm not going through every single one and gushing about how cool I think they are. Uh, We've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, the Ahsoka show, Rangers of the New Republic, Andor, The Bad Batch, which is an animated show, and I'm super excited about that trailer. was amazing. Um, the Lando series uh, that's probably going to be, like, way later down the line. Uh, Star Wars Visions, which basically sounds like Star Wars Animatrix. Awesome. Uh, the Acolyte, which sounds really weird and maybe spooky version of Star Wars, which also sounds cool. And then the movies they announced, um, which I really didn't know these were coming because uh, they had announced that they were going to, like hold off on movies for a while after Solo. So then I think kind of Mando forced their hand where they're like, we need Star Wars content right away. And so they made all these shows ready and then we're going to get movies a little later, kind of like along that promise that they're, they but made they're, before. But they're all, wait, wait, wait. But correct me if I'm wrong, all of the slate that they that they rolled out is all between now and the end of 2022. So this is all the next two years. Yeah, yeah. Or okay. I I don't know if all of these will be out by 2022. I don't even think they've started like making like scripts for some of these movies necessarily. So I don't know but that. I for thought sure. that was I thought that's what they had said at the beginning of this thing. Or maybe it's maybe it's all the Marvel ones or something. Like they made they made a comment that all of the content that they were releasing at whatever that whatever that part of the content release you know conversation was that all yeah. of this will be out by 2022. I only saw dates for about half the Star Wars stuff. Um, I saw like okay. Andor and Bad Batch had dates and then everything else was kind of vague of like sometime in 2021 kind of times. And then I I know that all the Marvel stuff did had dates and that was kind of the big like news for them anyway, because like we kind of knew that those shows were coming and now they have trailers and or clips for a few of them, which was also fun. The Loki one was really fun. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw like a still from that and thought it was only fan art, which is really funny. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, one of the other things that I do think is really cool about the Star Wars news that I did not like, 
catch right away is that they're kind of taking a cue from the CW superhero universe where like a lot of the shows will lead up to a big team up event show or movie or something like that, which has always been like so cool that they did that in in those shows. So I'm very excited to see like a Star Wars version of this, especially knowing all the cool stuff that we're getting like built into this universe right now. It is just super awesome. Um, I could literally like talk about all of these for so long. It's like very exciting to just like see all this new Star Wars stuff. When I literally thought all we were going to have between like now and next year was Mando, <laughs> like and like one more episode this week and then we just have to wait and now we have like right. all this stuff to look forward to i'm just like very very excited about all of this stuff um and so then a couple other things that i just like have to call out uh the one other like non-star wars thing that i think just sounds completely amazing and i cannot wait to see what this is or will be is the alien tv show that's going to be made by noah holly and ridley scott I love Noah Hawley. He like does everything right. He did Legion and Fargo, which are two of my favorite TV shows of all time. And like after seeing Raised by Wolves and knowing that Ridley Scott will also be involved in this show, I can't wait to see what this is going to be. It sounds so awesome. Um, still on FX, uh, Why the Last Man is still on the list. And if like that ever gets made, I'm so ready for that show. <laughs> the comic books are amazing. If you haven't read them, they would probably be a really interesting quarantine read because it's about kind of a world-ending event pandemic yeah <laughs> yeah um but different <laughs> um and then yeah, they didn't have to just... wear masks <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so then i'm literally just gonna list off a bunch of the stuff that i thought was like most interesting and there are still tons of stuff announced in this list like that i'm not even including uh the willow tv series never ever ever imagined that would be a thing i know uh, i love Star it and Warwick davis him. is gonna be yeah work davis is coming yeah. yeah yeah i love that um the mighty ducks tv show that sounds really great um did they did they say it's gonna be like with real people because some part of me was like are they gonna do like that really weird animated show that they used to have i do, don't know you remember that, that yeah absolutely i do it was on the disney afternoon like block or the, yeah. sun, the saturday morning block or whatever and it was the i actually really dug the the styling of those characters <laughs> i used honestly. to like that show a lot we had like those action figures i think but um yeah. anyway the action like, figures that were was, great yeah. yeah um i would i wouldn't be like totally sad if they did either version but i didn't know i didn't hear officially <laughs> um speaking of saturday morning disney cartoons we love the rescue rangers thing that sounds amazing i'm a little bummed that it's not just straight up like a new version of rescue rangers and it's like a movie and it's like a live action hybrid which is not my favorite thing but i love those characters so i'm i and i like that they cast um john mulaney and adam sandberg as chip and dale uh -huh. i think that's like Crazy really casting. really really good casting yeah. so i'm very excited to see who will be the rest of the rescue rangers and fill out their team and i think it'll probably be really fun someone um, asked the question of someone asked the question of uh are they going to pitch their voices up i imagine they probably will right yeah i think or at least i mean i don't know if they're going to do it themselves or if they would like do it um like in post somehow you know what i mean i can't see john mulaney doing that kind of vocal work like you know what i mean like what do you mean yeah, john mulaney's voice I'm sounds sure. like a chipmunk <laughs> but it's not pitched though that's what i'm saying the pitch it doesn't need to be pitched his voice is naturally it's pre-pitched <laughs> i don't think <laughs> <laughs> just let that resonate for a second it's been a, it's a it's a pre-pitched voice is what you're saying but it's post-pitched oh okay it's pitched it doesn't need to be pitched anymore john mulaney sounds like a chipmunk Okay. I don't know that it's, I agree with that. Fair. I mean, think, I think it might depend on how they decide to do this version. Like, it's going to be a whole new, like, reboot, basically. So they may not sound anything like what we're used to. Yeah, maybe. Who? Okay. Who knows? Maybe they'll pitch it down. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I did think it was cool that they're making a bunch of like TV shows out of the Disney movies that have come out recently. Like I remember having those for all the Disney movies, like like Aladdin and um, Little Mermaid had shows like that when we were growing up and I used to really like them. So I think it's cool that they're doing uh, Princess and the Frog and Moana. And I think there's one more. And yeah, I hers don't is, it's called Tiana or right. It's just called Tiana. Or Tiana's Palace. Or I don't remember exactly. Tiana's because Place there's literally so much of, stuff. <laughs> Tiana's Place is the name of her of the name of her restaurant. So it would make sense. Okay. It's called Tiana's Place. Yeah, um, I there's literally so much stuff I can't even remember because I just like it's, read it's all like I read the full list today and there's even a few new things I hadn't even heard about such as Can you, Sister Act Three with Whoopi Goldberg. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> Can you imagine being um, on the graphic design team to roll out all the the graphic the graphic support for this this investor meeting? When did they oh my start God. putting this stuff together? Because that would have been yeah. Like logo after logo after slate screen after like, oh my gosh, key art. Like just the tremendous, it was probably three terabytes worth of key art from this investor meeting. I can't even imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just crazy how much stuff that they like kind of peeked the curtain behind, like at, you know, like we only got a tiny little glimpse of all this stuff and I'm like, whoa, you guys had all this that you're sitting on. And like cynically, I did hear it's like, obviously they want to do this because like Disney parks are doing bad, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, if this is the content you're rolling out, I love it. This all sounds really cool. So I'm very excited for all this stuff. I, man, there's even more stuff I didn't even, I have on this list I didn't even get to. A Zootopia TV show and the Buzz Lightyear movie. Like, the Buzz Lightyear movie is fantastic. Have you seen the meme that's come up from, from Chris Evans posting about it? No, what was it? So he said, <laughs> he, he posted and he said, to set the records or to clarify, as we said, to clarify this movie is an origin story of of Buzz, not the toy Buzz Lightyear, but yes. the human that the toy is based off of. And there's a ton of memes now that are that are being generated with that quote, but then using other screenshots of other movies and TV shows and things like that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I feel like somebody needs to use like "You are a child's plaything" like yeah, somewhere exactly. in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But like that's a really interesting idea for a Toy Story sequel. Like I would have never assumed they were interested in. That does sound really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think Chris Evans is a the one thing, that's and that's weird yeah, about that's it, another good point. Yeah, that it'll be Chris Evans and not um, not yeah. oh my gosh, what is his name? His name not Tom, Tom Hanks. Allen. It's Thank Tim you. <laughs> um, and what's weird is because Tim Allen is still alive, and Buzz Lightyear, if he's a, and then maybe this is why there's a distinction, and maybe this is why he's making the distinction. Chris Evans is because. Like you're not Tim as as a toy, <laughs> a toy would have the voice regardless of how old the toy is, because mm-hmm. the, the toy is the toy is the toy, and they've done versions of Buzz from earlier on where he's even like a smaller toy, but it's Tim Allen's voice pitched up. Going back to pre post pitched, um, his voice is pitched up a little bit. So um, it was a little strange that that Tim Allen isn't voicing it, but given that it's not actually the toy, it's it's the human that the toy is based off of is an interesting it's an interesting take on it so yeah and and we don't know if like buzz lightyear might be a title like james bond or something where like maybe there's more than one buzz lightyear (laughs) maybe i mean he tends to look he looks a lot like him but just slightly younger um in the in this the the image that they you know the screen grab that they put out so i don't know i mean i'm just just thinking of like ideas why i would have a different voice what do you mean there's controversy that his eyebrows are too bushy and something's wrong with like his chin and 
There's controversy there, that the new Buzz Lightyear is bad. There's, I think people are saying like, like a toy that, exactly. That, exactly, and and so I think. But that's the toy the, isn't not a perfect rendering. The well, that's that's I think why Chris Evans has gone on record as saying this movie isn't about the toy. This movie is about the human person that that toy inside the Toy Story universe is based off of. And so that's why I think I think that's why he looks different. Uh-huh. He looks more like a human than he looks like a toy. Right. He's a stylized human because yeah. it's still within the world of Toy Story, which has a very, you know, it's a very specific look. But he's he doesn't look like a, he doesn't look like he's made out of plastic. And I think that's what people are are complaining. Yeah, about. yeah. And I don't know why people are complaining. We're getting new content. Just shut well, it's up. Also let just us, like, let's just get new this content. This is different. It's just like, it's different and new. And it's like, I, I heard this on a different podcast that was talking about all the Star Wars stuff. And it made a great point where it's like, the stuff isn't even out yet. Don't take, like, start, you know, turning it down, turning your nose up at it before it's even like had a chance to like have a trailer. It's like some of these are just all, ideas. All, we, all like, we see is a logo. That's all we've seen Sonic so far. Sonic emboldened that one the internet. The Sonic, internet? Di- Sonic did embold the internet in, yeah, a, in like the terrible way. Yes, there like there might have been a bad precedent to set. I'm not saying Sonic doesn't look better, but what have we unleashed? Right. That now we can just now we can just tell the studios and the artists what they have to make in order to appease us, and that's that's terrible. That's terrible for art for sure, and it's terrible for progressing a story or a universe. It's terrible for oh my generating gosh. new content. I think you can even just look at the last Star Wars trilogy as a great example of this, where they're like just making movies by committee, trying to make everybody happy. And so nothing really happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. Other than Ryan Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The one, that's, that is just the kidding. I wanted to make sure with, that like, I got his name right. Jarbled. Yes. Yeah. Other than, yeah. Not JJ yeah. Abrams. Ryan Johnson. I just need to make yes. sure I got his name right. The other, no, the I, other Star Wars. Guy. It is <laughs> such a, I understand the idea of fan service and I understand the idea. I, a lot of people hold this stuff sacred and this or that, but, Last week, I talked about one of my complaints with Disney is that I think they they rely so heavily on nostalgia in not doing anything different, uh, especially not creating any new characters. So if we're going to be using properties we've already used, that's fine. But let's go somewhere else with the story. And that's okay. That should excite us. We shouldn't, you know, we can't complain about studios rehashing everything when the first time we get a new rendering of Buzz Lightyear, we threaten to burn down a studio. <laughs> like like, we are creating the situation just let let creatives do creative things and then like it or don't like it yeah and you don't have to like everything it can just like some things aren't for you some things are for other people disney's making enough you'll like something yeah this list is humongous you're gonna dig something in this and hopefully like a lot of this turns out being as cool as it sounds because like i'm just so pumped right now imagining how cool all these things could potentially be like 2021 is going to be a good year. <laughs> they could literally miss with 50% of the content they're promising. They could literally not even deliver 50% of mm-hmm. the content they're promising, and you would still have weeks and months worth of content to consume over the next couple of years. <laughs> like, that's how much, Easily. that is the, the sheer quant, uh, quantity of, of uh, content that they're, they're promising to put out, which is, is crazy. It just kept going. It just kept pinging one thing after another yeah. after another. And I'm like, no way. And Patrick kept saying, like, what? where are you seeing this? How is it? Like, it's just never ending. 
Like, I, well, we started it was reading it at like, like 4 listen- o'clock in the afternoon. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm still reading off new stuff. And he's like, what the heck? It was amazing because like, yeah, they like read off just the Star Wars stuff. And I was like busy reading all that. And then I was like, and then you see like, oh, then Pixar made all these announcements. So I start reading all that stuff. And then like all the stuff is just like trickling out so quickly. There's a lot of like just exciting things like and on this list where I'm like, this could be really, really fun. <laughs> Again, I hope their key art and graphic design teams took the week off this week because yeah, you guys all deserve like a big round of applause, yeah. a pat on the back, yeah. a hug. We love you. Yeah, I literally you. like have talked for probably at least thirty minutes about some of those Star Wars logos, so like it doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, if you could boil it down to one thing, if you could only watch one of the new things they're promising, what would it be? What would you say? Do you know already? Um, yeah, if I could only watch one thing, I think it would be the Obi-Wan series. That's really what I was thinking. I was like, I, the Taika Waititi movie fights with it because I love him. But like, Yeah, I like Taika Obi-Wan Waititi, but we also so don't exciting. know what Taika Waititi's film is going to be based off. It's just we know he's going to have a film. And so mm-hmm. as a placeholder, that's not enough to edge out obi-wan kenobi okay well yeah and it's also like not just is it an obi-wan kenobi story which like that's awesome it's like ewan mcgregor playing obi-wan kenobi and i was very excited about the hayden christensen announcement i had mixed feelings at first where i'm like whoa um (laughs) nobody liked this but it's not necessarily going to be him acting it would probably be his voice and stuff so like i don't know there's a lot of possibilities there by having him in it that i think make this show so much more interesting like so very 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 excited there's no telling what crossovers we're going to get either so yeah it's i'm i'm very yeah i'm i'm thrilled with that very excited patrick what about you what's your your favorite disney plus or disney streaming i don't know that there's a okay i wasn't watching the results when you are watching it so i don't have anything that super stands out to me i think the pairing that i'm most excited about is probably chip and dale just Mm -hmm. for the 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 casting of that that said the thing that has struck me a the volume but be the amount of people that are now like actors and actresses that will now have Disney on their resume. Uh, it is a, it feels like a staggering percentage of Hollywood is yeah. beholden to Disney <laughs> now. Um, it, yeah. Maybe there's, maybe that, you know, I made this comment to Andrew. I don't know that there's any truth to this, but the thing that strikes me is we've gone through a, a nine month period where, where we had very few releases, very mm-hmm. few releases. There were a couple cases where things that were meant to be theatrical release were instead sold to streaming outlets uh, like Greyhound. But in a lot of cases, um, those movies just got thrown back on a shelf, put back in the archive, whatever. And the studio wait a year, wait a year and a half, um, two years, whatever it takes so they feel like they can release it and and get the money back from their investment uh, that they were planning on getting. You know, it's not worth it to them to release it now and and jeopardize the income the film could make if they feel they can hold on to it. And that's the reason a film like Top Gun, we might not see for another year or a year and a half because they can just hold on to it. The, the, the studio mm-hmm. doesn't need to release it. Um, so that said, we have a lot of content that was made that was planned for release this year, didn't get released. And mm-hmm. on top of that, if we look forward to next year, the year after, there's only 52 weeks in a year. If you're going to release something at a theater, you're not going to compete with your own films. You're not going to compete. You know, you're not going to put your big budget, uh, your your blockbuster film the the same weekend as Avengers or then and not Avengers, but you know the latest yeah. Marvel film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my point is to say, there's only so many slots, 
And it makes me wonder if the amount of work that's available in Hollywood, at least in terms of films intended for the theatrical release, may actually shrink over the next year because we have a backlog of content and we don't need to shoot more than we can actually hmm. show. So it is. It I, I do wonder if we may start seeing even more big names participating in streaming-only content or miniseries content or TV show content, things like that, that, that there's more of being produced because these big theater-centric experiences are potentially going to shrink back for a little bit. So yeah. that's, that's the thing that surprised me is just some of the names that are attached to these projects are frankly names I would have never expected to be attached to a Disney project. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think it's like Disney can just back like a dump truck of money up to your house and be like, are you sure you don't want to be in this movie? <laughs> yeah, but sure. They you know can. What that, legi- that legitimizes that legitimizes the platform that legitimizes the media stream mm-hmm. that legitimizes it in a lot of ways. I mean, think about what 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 we got for Netflix at the end of last year coming into this year legitimizes it. Right. Like it's it's no mm-hmm. longer like it, they're truly trying to force their seat at the table. And yeah, I, I I think it'd be really you'd be really hard pressed coming out of 2020 to not think that they deserve a seat at the table at this point, you know, depending even if you mm-hmm. were on the fence before, like at this point, it seems like this it, it is legitimized because of this, because of because of what's, you know, different things like this. And, and like Patrick said, everyone will have been there will be six people in the world who weren't employed by Disney by the time 2022 is over. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, the three of us. And then, uh, <laughs> um, and so I just think, uh, and, and, may, and maybe, maybe that's not even true. I don't know. Maybe you guys signed NDAs and I'm unaware of. So. It, also, it also stands out to me that I think the star Wars films, my guesses did not do as well as the studio was expecting. Like they we didn't. all felt, we all felt star Wars fatigue very quickly. And and with Marvel, I think we had, as a as a kind of group of people, a culture, a society. I think we had also hit a, a saturation point when it came to the uh, the once every six month Marvel blockbuster. And yet, you see a show like The Mandalorian that has just you know what's what's an old phrase nobody uses done gangbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, it makes me feel that. Also, go get the water from the well. Yeah, no one it. uses that anymore. <laughs> Shouldn't. <laughs> so it, it makes me feel like maybe instead of putting our our eggs into the basket of a three hundred and fifty million dollar one off project that may miss, um, mm-hmm. you know, like Solo or something like that. Yeah. Instead of doing that, how how many? What you know? How much of a TV series can we? How how many smaller pieces of content can we create with that same budget? Uh, especially when we look at the work that uh, Mando has done uh, yeah. in, in creating these these sound stages that have three hundred. You know, they're pioneering all this great technology uh-huh. for environment and scenery. That once it's pioneered, it's going to save them so much money when it comes to producing this incredibly high quality content. And so I, I could definitely see a world where they go, you know what, the the movie is maybe even too big of a risk to set out to do another trilogy or another, you know, whatever. Let's not take that risk when we can produce three miniseries. Yeah. 
Uh, for the same cost of one of those especially yeah. when you're producing them on a platform that has a recurring charge as opposed you know attracting yeah. people to that as opposed to getting a one-off ticket price in an industry you're getting is dead mo- right now but then also people don't even want to pay eight bucks for a ticket you're getting a minimum of three months of subscription content yeah exactly. or subscription payment from people and so you you have to yeah equate that into versus getting uh what an average of twelve dollars a movie ticket yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think the economics are on the side of the TV show, especially long terms, and uh, mm-hmm. and I especially if it gets picked up in syndication. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, I think we'll then you're talking Cheers money, baby. That's that is some real dough, you know. And I mentioned that. Did I you hear that? Disney- Always Sunny got renewed for five more seasons. Yes, we I did. did. That. That's ridiculous. And I, you know, That's I mentioned awesome that too. I thought that Disney had too narrow. Disney Plus had too narrow of a of a kind of market that it was hitting with their platform uh in terms Mm -hmm. of genre and uh once we've heard all these releases then i i definitely you can start walking that back they heard you they heard you a week later they started (laughs) responding didn't also they say that like hulu they're kind of going to use to like put out more indie movies under the like what was fox searchlight and 20th first 20th century fox um is now like they have slightly adjusted names and they're still going to be making more like smaller indie movies like not the big it's like what they whatever did, movies yeah. that aren't like star wars or marvel <laughs> well, you know like, like the non-blockbuster with, uh, action flicks there's an episode on like on palm Netflix springs called like the, like, the like movies like that movies that made us and we watched an episode about uh about tim burton's the nightmare before christmas and how that mm-hmm. movie was originally made by disney but when they saw the the end of like when they saw how the film came out they ended up marketing it through like distributing it through touchstone and so touchstone yeah. pictures was just a you know a, a subsidiary and um but then after they saw how well it did years later when it had that resurgence and had that cult following <laughs> now it's a walt disney pictures uh <laughs> tim burton's the nightmare before christmas and so I, I wonder if it's a similar situation right where they're they're channeling these things out through different methods because of the the reach well, yeah, and I do understand where it's like if Disney Plus is like meant more for kids, you get Hulu in a bundle with Disney Plus for most people, you know, so it's like net this would be the one that you log into if you're an adult and this is the one you log into when your kids are there. It's still the same person making all this content. They're just kind of physically separated that way. Yeah, it, make, it makes sense. It's kind of like having the video store and then the adults only section behind the beads in the back. Patrick uh-huh. told me about those. Yeah, he did. <laughs> all right. Um we could talk ad nauseum about the content that's coming up, but instead we'll let you just yeah. we'll post a link and you can go look at, look it up for yourself. If you didn't know that all of this stuff was happening, go, go read about it. There's tons more where that came from. Yeah, so literally. Um, so on that note, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this one. Um, you can find all the show notes and links to everything we talked about at M of one.network, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm not going to rattle off the list. Just go do it. Uh, if you are a patron, make sure you listen to that episode of the art department from this week and then go watch your screener. This is, uh, this is just for you patrons. Uh, thank you again to Chris White and the production company and, um, and everybody involved in electric Jesus for giving us the opportunity to give that, um, to you guys. Um, but uh, if you're not a patron, maybe consider it. Now's a good time to consider it. Uh, two, four, or six dollars. Go to patreon.com slash M of one podcast. It helps a little bit and uh, you get something out of it. So, like movies. Movies. Woo. Um, I think for now, though, we're going to call I this. I will do an adult calendar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to get patrons or lose patrons? 
(laughs) (laughs) Would that earn us patrons? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. We'll do an A-B test. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More like like a... So it'll be like a top or bottom on or off test is what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, not that one. Well, that didn't perform very well. (laughs) It never does. It never does. (laughs) Um, And... uh, I guess while you're at it, like, rate, and review, subscribe on iTunes. That's that seriously helps us out. I think we're we're uh, we're 212. I think you said right Ooh. on the Canada charts right now. Let me hold on. Let me check the updated figure real quick. I deleted yeah. it. <laughs> oh, no, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I don't know if we talk about that on the show, but I delete everything. I wait, wait, no, no. You read and delete immediately. 211 Ooh. in the arts design category in Canada. Yeah. So hey. thank, thank you, Canadian friends. Uh, we like you too. Um, but we're going to get out of this episode. I am at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. I am not at Not Cool Co. everywhere. And I am Squatch I-N. That's at Squatchin. We're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. L'chaim! <laughs> to life! <laughs> What'd you no, say? You totally went, you glitched right then, and so we couldn't tell if you said anything, a pack just went, did you say that? <laughs> <laughs>